0: Today's reading is from Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. John's preaching. John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, "One stronger than I uh, excuse me, one stronger than I am, is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit." Jesus is baptized and tempted. About that time, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. While he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the spirit like a dove coming down on him. And there was a voice from heaven, you are my son whom I dearly love, in you I find happiness.
1: A couple of TV seasons ago, there was just delight for me. I got to see the reboot of Quantum Leap. No, really. Quantum Leap, did any of you watch it in the 1980s, 90s? This, you should be teaching this in your class. Mike Karagas is my favorite church member at the moment. He's the only one nodding, going, yes, (laughs) yes, sister. (laughs) What is Quantum Leap about? Well, let me tell you. It is the story of Dr. Sam Beckett, who goes into the past to make right what went wrong and so that we all can continue into the future knowing that everything's going to be okay. And uh, Sam Beckett was played by Scott Bakula, who went on to be a captain on the Enterprise, and now I think he does NCIS New Orleans, but we knew him when, right? There's nothing wrong with the little eye candy either, right? So it was an amazing series in that, well, it depends who the writers were, in that um, he really did go to events of real history. and then he also, And they also did real movements. Uh, so in the 80s, Scott Bakula, a uh, great-looking guy, actually would uh, go into the body of um, a housewife who was unhappy. Uh, or he entered into um, a black person during Watts, the Watts riots. Um, oh, uh, the three series, the three-episode 3, three episode series when he was Lee Harvey Oswald. And they did that. Yeah. So, I mean, network TV used to be good. So, and, and deep, and you had to, like, deal with the questions that it brought up. And so now there's been a, a reboot, and um, I, forget, I forgot it, Ben, 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 I can't remember the character. See, I'm still hooked on Sam Beckett. I'm waiting for them to bring Sam Beckett back, but that's my own personal issue. Um, So we've brought it back up, and now, again, he's going back into the past, trying to uh, make um, right what was wrong, and in fact, they're still looking for Sam Beckett because Sam Beckett has not come back into our time period. So you're saying, Monica, why are you talking to us about pop culture, as you always do? Um, Because... That's what it means to be a process theologian. We get to travel back in time. We get to talk about the future and figure out how we live in the now. And today our adventure is Jesus being baptized. So Jesus has, is now at um, John the Baptist is at the River Jordan. And John the Baptist, his movement has started. And we just spent all of December learning about Uh, John's birth, amen, how complicated it was, how alone Elizabeth was, but that in that painting that we looked at together, that love of a mother to a baby, knowing they knew he was a prophet, they knew he was going to change the world, and now he's doing it. He's taking, he's taking the law outside of the temple, he's bringing it to the people, and he's saying this message is for everybody. Now, that's quite a scene because this is the Jesus movement. It's the first movement that's bringing God out of the temple. And Mark, now we're in Mark. Mark is our shortest gospel, amen, (laughs) and and, um, our earliest gospel. And so it has less about story but more on how to live. But it has this particular moment, and it's written either around 70, around 70 C.E., so, it is a tumultuous time, and John is there saying, we can have hope. We can have hope in that we will no longer be occupied, and the world will be better. And remember, he's kind of the hippy-dippy uh, version of Judaism. Amen, right? We even, his clothes that he's wearing, or lack thereof, right? He's, he's making a point, I do not have to live being... Um, benefiting from Rome, I'm here among you, and so he says, and he, he has his followers, and he has his people around him, and he goes, but wait, but wait, there's someone who's uh, even more intimate with God than me, that's the word I want, more intimate with God than me, both are called, both are, both are teachers, and then here's Jesus, and John's ready to be baptized, and Jesus says, "No, I will be baptized." And then he's baptized in the River Jordan. River Jordan was much bigger uh, than more water than you can still be baptized in the River Jordan today. Um, again, back to that. In the past, in the present, I got to baptize a Methodist minister who'd never uh, been baptized. I don't know how she got ordained. It's a Tricky thing there, but anyway. So I got to baptize her there. Um, it is it is a moment. It is a moment of holiness and of place of time that seems to be in that moment. You're in the past, in the present, and you know the future is going to change. And this is Jesus' call story, right? This is Jesus going to start his ministry. This is Jesus. He's been, uh, he's been the neighbor guy. Everyone is, oh, there's that Jesus, that troublemaker Jesus. But now... We've opened up, the sky has opened up, and God says, You indeed are called, and I am well pleased. Now, the beautiful thing is, we all have those moments of call, right? And again, like a quantum leap, we do this story every year to remind ourselves that we too are called and we are beloved. Today you notice we are singing um, a lot of African spirituals. It's going to kind of be our theme for the next few weeks. Um, One is tomorrow the country celebrates Martin Luther King's birthday, right? I get so confused because I, okay. So tomorrow is Martin Luther King's birthday, but we are not singing these songs just because they're spirituals. We're singing these songs today because it fit to Martin Luther King's theology. He is what was, it was called Boston Personalism. The idea that God works, it's kind of cosmic, but it's also human. Precious Lord, take my hand. What's the rest? You lead me on. Um, Guide my feet, right? It's all about the body. Wade in the water, you can feel and this was also used as a, a liberation story, a, a, a text, and also um, a story about freedom uh, crossing the river, crossing the Ohio River out of slavery into the north. It was, it was used as code, but you can also feel water, right? And you can, it's, it's getting in touch with your body and with your senses. Martin Luther King lived his spirituality, very intellectual, American Baptist after all, um, but also understood that God works in you and in your body, and may we use our bodies to be guides, to hold people's hands, to love them. He was an associate minister in Birmingham, Alabama, and he's trying to decide, is he going to stay being an associate minister at this church, or is he going to go back north and be an Akamadine? Because he had a great experience in Boston. And remember, this guy, this guy, this guy was going to college when he was 15. He skipped grades, he moved right along, and he wore a suit every day when he went to school. And so he is a young 20 something at Boston University working on his master's and his doctorate. And again, to remind you how the past, the future, and the now all connect. His PhD advisor was the uncle of my uh, doctorate advisor. It connects. It all connects. So I think about King deciding where am I called? And you know, he thought about his baptism. He knew that God was well-pleased. He knew he experienced God with us. And he decided, well, I'm going to stay here and help my people and try to make a difference. So that meant organizing with housekeepers and housewives and ministers' wives. And um, there's great scenes in the documentary that I recommend for everybody on the prize of them mimeographing, (laughs) remember, mimeographing posters to get up and to get out and to tell everybody you are not riding the bus tomorrow because if we can't sit anywhere, we're going to sit nowhere. That's using their Boston personalism. For 18 months, they walked to work or they got rides from each other or uh, they had their their people they worked for actually started giving them rights because they understood, wait a minute, I really don't get along without you. (laughs) But they also were noticing, wait, there is an inequality here. So that we have every day, every year to get reminded, what is our call, where are we going to be, who are we going to be, how does it affect the now? I know it's affected the past, and how can I change the future? We're quantum leaping all the time, aren't we? okay you know i'm gonna have to do it i gotta bring in a movie so i saw boys in the boat last night anyone else anyone else i I know i read the book too like and um boys in the boat very poor pacific northwest um, uh, timber timber boys right most of their dads had uh, worked in the timber industry uh, poor, 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 now racing in crew against the elite, elite, elite in the United States. And I think about Joe Rance and think about water. Again, baptism, power of water. These boys are, they, because someone believes in them and someone says, you are called. You are called to make a difference. You are called, even though no one else believes in you, I do. And any of us that have been in competitive sports, how about this part of it? I don't know if you know this, Dr. J, but they were the JV team. And the coach said, no, these are the boys that have a chance to win the Olympics. And And he benched, so to speak, how you bench a boat, but he benched that team and he said, we're taking the JV team with the varsity coxswain, which is the one that does the go, go, so he knew. He knew it's going to take the ones that have the drive, that have the call, that know they can make a difference, that will then beat Hitler's Germany. Our call can happen at any time, in any place, affects our history, affects our present, affects our future. One more story. John Newton. The writer of Amazing Grace, the song we're going to hear in Reflection Time. We know this story, a lot of us. He was a slave trader, traded for 10 years, and, um, but I, I, uh, there's a new book out about his life. So I was listening to the BBC History Podcast, as I do in the middle of the night when I don't sleep, and I got to learn more about John Newton. John Newton himself was kidnapped and held in slavery in Africa. So he himself experienced, again, no comparison to uh, the institutional chattel slavery in the United States of America, but he did, he did understand brutalism and he was flogged on a ship um, as punishment when he was trying to escape. So he knew harm. And so then he had a, um, a stroke and he, um, he, couldn't, he couldn't sail anymore, which he didn't mind. But he felt the call that he should be in ministry. So he studied for, we call it the priesthood because he was Anglican, um, studied for the priesthood. And then um, on, his, on his way back home uh, to England, he, he, uh, the boat crashes, or, and he's drowning in the water. Water again, the power of water. He's sort of baptized. He's cleansed. His past away. He is born again, and he writes "Amazing Grace." And then he leads to become a leading abolitionist in England, and is uh, and he got counsel from a certain John Wesley, and a certain Wilbur, Wil, Wilberforce, who was the person that was the um, member of Parliament that got to end slavery in England. So John Newton, who we sing all the time, who is sung all the time to this day, this is one thing I learned about this song. It is sung in India as a liberation song. It is sung in the Philippines as a liberation song. It is sung uh, in South Korea. It is sung everywhere. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The call of the past is the call of the now is the call of the future. Now I've told you how I like to do the Lord's Prayer in our cacophony because I was in St. George's in Jerusalem and I heard people just say the Lord's Prayer. But before they said the Lord's Prayer, there was just, we were standing in the quietness of the chapel and it was a Filipino contingency that started singing Amazing Grace. And then the British came along and then the Italians, and then we Americans. And so here was this international group of pilgrims that were singing Amazing Grace in Old Jerusalem. Our call of the past is the call that affects the future, is the call that is now. Jesus calls you and says, you are beloved and with you i am well pleased amen